This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Oh, 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 oh. post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Comes to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! Rich, how are you, mate? Oh, I am very well, and I'm very, very excited to finally have another ex-player on the podcast. It's been a while. I've had complaints, so you're a superstar <laughs> for uh, for saying yes. Thank you. Uh, I, hope I, I hope I don't disappoint. No, it's, neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be a flop. It could be your last ever one. We've, we've, no, that won't happen. <laughs> trust me. Hey, this podcast is, is international. I've spoke to people in Buenos Aires. I spoke to yeah. people all over the shop in the USA, and now a new country to tick off, Finland. Hello, Finland. Yes, Finland, nice and cold. It's only, I think it's only minus six today, so this is a summer's day here. Bermuda shorts weather in Finland. Yeah, yeah, oh. no, it's a lo- lovely day, the sun's out, the, the snow's thick, it's crisp, it's good. Brilliant, brilliant. And, you know, you've not been there for very long, so you, you're okay, you're enjoying it, you're picking up that really hard language. Yeah, loving it. I think, I think I've been here maybe six, I've lost track now, six months, I think. But, yeah, picking up the language and learning to count. My little girl's just learning, so I'm at the same level as her. She's, I think, 20 months old. <laughs> so that, that's the stage I'm at. I can hey. say sock, socks and shoes. This is the yeah. moment. This is your time to shine. Go. Yeah. Oh, my God. Why would you do this to me? Uh, sucker is sock. Kisser. Okay. 
is cats. <laughs> the two most important things you need to know. Hey, Socks and cats. Socks and cats. There yes. we go. <laughs> well, <laughs> minus six. Goodness me. And that's a nice day. Well, let's talk oh, about lovely. let's talk about football, shall we? So oh, it's been such a long time since I got to say this, but I ask every single guest on there is what are your earliest memories of playing football and most crucially of all who was your team man city of course the best the best team my local team man city when i was sporting them originally that's when they were rubbish they were no good they were getting beat every week and it was embarrassing at school because united were so good um and that's when they used to play at main road so i managed to survive all that period and now they've come good it's a good decision Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think there's only about two years between you and me. So, you know, I've, I've, I'm a little bit older, but it's the same era. And it must have been considering you know, Manchester United in the 90s were intimidating, annoyingly good. Everybody who didn't support Manchester United always enjoyed watching Manchester United lose because they simply just didn't do it enough. And to support Manchester City during like that time when you had Horton and Alan Ball, um, you still beat Swindon in the Premier League, but that, that's not exactly um, as much of an achievement. But yeah, um, oh, Andy Dibble in goal. <laughs> Try Andy Dibble, a legend. Yeah, Andy Dibble. He had a few howlers, didn't he? Oh, who who were the favourites? I mean, I imagine it's King Cladzi. Yeah, that was my first song, King Cladzi. Yeah, I was lucky enough. He came on trial at Bolton. And I played a few games with him in the reserves. I was, I think that was the first time I've ever been starstruck. And just seeing King Kaladzi walk in the changing room, I was like, oh my God, there's my childhood hero. I think I used to have his poster on the wall. Yeah, legend. I loved him. How high up in the, uh, in the legend stakes is, say, Kevin Horlock? Yeah, he's up there, isn't he? He's not a King Kaladzi, but he's definitely up there. See, I would say uh, King Kaladzi isn't a Horlock. Or a summer bit, or a Fitzroy Simpson, but uh, I can see where. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, in terms of playing football, what are your earliest memories? Because the Northwest is just, you know, it's all cliches, but it's a hotbed. It's it's a competitive region for football. There's lots of clubs, but also a lot of football mad kids that are trying to get into these clubs. What What are your memories of playing football as a kid? Originally, well, my dad used to play for within Shore Amateurs, a, a club in Manchester. And I think uh, one of his friends was one of his old teammates, I think, was coaching in the juniors. So I think that was the first time I went down there to within Shore. I must have been maybe nine, ten. But he was coaching, I think, the under-11s. Yeah, under-11. Or I was, I was, anyway, I was playing a couple of years above my age group, uh, below my age group. So that put me in good stead, really. That was the first time I played. I was playing with all the older lads. It, it definitely makes you grow up a little bit, yeah. Mm. What position were you early on, centre-forward a bit? Uh, no, I think because I was playing with the older lads, the coach put me at left-back oh. to protect me a little bit, I think. And um, and then I think I moved into centre-mid. Yeah, but it was quite it was quite a tough team, a rough and ready league. So there used to be quite a bit of quite a bit of drama, but I, being the younger one, I was I was well looked after. Yeah, nice. And and when did 
bigger clubs start taking notice of you as a kid? Because obviously at Bolton for a long time, was there much competition for you at that stage or, or were you, or you, was it just Bolton? Well, when I went to secondary school, my primary school didn't have a, have a football team, but that's when I was playing, and I, what a pathetic primary school. But, um, they didn't have a football team. So that's when I was playing for within shore with these older lads. So when I started in secondary school, playing with lads my own age, it, it was easy. Do you know what I mean? It was, I felt I was what I was one of the best players. So that's when a few trial, a few scouts came to watch. And um, I think I was 12 when I signed for Bolton. I was 12 years old. Yeah. I can't let it go. I know a few people who say they didn't do football in secondary school and I still don't believe them. That's insane. Why, why not? Why is it always rugby? Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Yeah. Stop Crazy. trying to force rugby down our throats, schools. No, <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. So, Bolton Wanderers when you were 12 years old. So yeah. what, what are your memories of, of uh, what are your main memories of going through that? We'll get to the seniors a bit, a bit later on. W- what was that experience like for you? It was, looking back, it was probably a bit too young to start um, with a professional club because the, the pressure started straight away from 12 years old. And I think you're signing a contract every two years. So, it's quite high pressure, really, being at being at an academy at that age, um, and it sort of took the fun out of it a little bit, because um, it was it was one of the best academies. We obviously used to play all the best all the best teams, mm. so there was a lot of pressure, and that'd be every weekend. And fair play to my dad; he'd be driving me to Bolton um, two or three times a week, and then you'd have a maybe an away game on a Sunday. It could be Newcastle. It could be anything. So it's loads of travelling and it was it was quite high pressured, yeah. So probably I should have played for my school a bit more. I should have um, played for my Sunday league team a bit more, a bit more fun, I think. Isn't that something? Yeah, I mean, you're not the first person to say that and the, 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 the highest profile example of that because he was really passionate about it was Charlie Austin, who was just like, it's ridiculous. You know, it, 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 they shouldn't be anywhere near um, a professional setup at such a young age. And yeah. I'm, really, I'm really curious to know because I gave up football as a kid when it started becoming more technical and not about having a laugh with your mates and kicking the ball around and just wanting to score goals, tackle, you know, all the things that you enjoy when it became about drills, about, you know, running and running and running and all that stuff. I was just like, nah, do you know what? I'm just going to go and play for my school and, and play down the park with my pals. What keeps you in there? What is the motivation? Because it, it can't be easy because a lot of people essentially lose their childhoods to, to this industry because of, how strict it is. Yeah, I completely agree with you and Charlie Austin, yeah. Um, you do lose your childhood a bit, um, but what motivates you? I suppose wanting to become a footballer, that's that's all the, that's all that's drilled into you, I suppose. You're just going to be a foot. you want to be a footballer, want to be a footballer. And I suppose my dad had put so much time and effort in taking me everywhere and dropping me off and um, putting the hours in. And, 
that's sort of your only option, really. You sort of put school to one side, you know. Well, I did anyway. Um, wasn't really focused at school too much. I did what I had to do, but it was just a bit of a laugh going to school. Um, but yeah, it was just football, football, football. Want to be a foot? Need to be a footballer. It was your only option, really. I didn't really think of any what I wouldn't do. Yeah, if I wasn't a footballer. Yeah. Who were your coaches going through the uh, the Bolt the Bolton system? We had a had a few ex players. Ian Seddon, he was an ex Bolton player. He was mm-hmm. really good. Um, who else did I have? Jack Trainer, a uh, Scottish ex professional. We had a, I had a good. They were good to be fair in the academy. They were good. I had a, <clears throat> some nice coaches, but then yeah, then. It was, I think I was 50, it must have been 15 when I got told I was going to be getting a, a YTA, a scholarship through Bolton. So, yeah, I knew straight away then that I'd be going there for um, a couple of years as soon as I left school, which I don't think they should have told me really. But, you know, before your exams, yeah, they like to say, you're going to be a footballer before oh, before yeah. you do GCSEs. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, don't matter than these, yeah. Yeah, that's your excuse. I don't know what mine is for my <laughs> results, I'll be honest with you, because I was not a footballer in the making. <laughs> They're yeah. not very good, Charlie. They're not good, my GCSEs. <laughs> who, who, was your, who was your under-18s coach then? And, and what, what is the main differences when you go from, like, pre-YTS to the big one? Uh, well, you're sort of given a taster of it, really. Before you're given the YTS, you, you, you're playing with the under-17s when you're at school to see if you to see if you're good enough really. So you are given a taster of it. <clears throat> and you're playing against big lads and very good players. And it's just that difference of going from training and seeing how the game goes to you need to win really. Winning matters. The other lads that aren't that are full time are training every day and then they're playing in the game to win. And the coach is playing to win and you're at school and turning up on a Saturday to play it's quite a shock it's quite quite brutal quite tough it's good yeah mm. big difference yeah and who was who was the main coach during that Chris Sully he was called I, I think he, he may have had a little spell at Chelsea and, and, and in Scotland I think mm-hmm. and he's done the rounds he's done loads of coaching and I think he's I think he's involved with the FA now yeah he's uh Technically, he was very good, very good coach, but his man management was wasn't great. It's a tale as old as time in that era, isn't it? They they really they know the job, but when it comes to talking to people or treating exactly, people, it, it's you know, yeah, it's a yeah. consistent it's a consistent observation of footballers of that era and before that, isn't it? Um, and and I guess that era just well we can't do what we used to do. <laughs> They're never going to be great footballers if they <laughs> exactly dead right <laughs> exactly. And yeah. it's, it's I don't know it's such a precious age really, and it grow at 16, 17, 18. It's really important. I guess they're just reflecting on how they were treated a lot of the time, aren't they? Yeah, quite and... bitter. Yeah, bitter. I think. <laughs> yeah, and. I think it all stems from that, but oh well. Oh, who who was in your who was in your under 18s team then? Who were who you fighting for uh, professional contracts with? Uh, had 
Ricardo Vazte. Nice. He, he went on to play a bit. Uh, Joey O'Brien. Nice, yeah. I think he followed Allardyce for a bit. Um, out of that I don't think anyone else really made professional oh obviously obviously Ricky Ricky was a year older than me yeah Uh, but no yeah we yeah quite only a few few went through really it's crazy isn't it 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 blows my mind every time how these systems they have 50 100 hundreds of, of players and it's always the same five, six less come through in this era. It's absolutely, but it must make you look back and go, yeah, I did all right, didn't I? Yeah, I think so. I think I was quite lucky. I was, I was big and strong. So that I could handle, I could handle playing with the seniors. So I was quite from a, from a young age, 16, 17, I was bigger, bigger and stronger than most of my team. So I was quite lucky in that respect. That I could step up physically. You you also had the skinhead, which was petrifying. <laughs> That's just a normal Manchester haircut. That. <laughs> yeah, just used to yeah shave it. I've only recently started growing it out. Mm, yeah, try and make me look try and make me look younger. Yeah, I'm not intimidated by you anymore. Before, <laughs> oh no, teddy bear. Teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> You make it into the first team. So you make you you make the transition from the under 18s, the the youth setup, and you do make it to the first team. And it is the best Bolton Wanderers era for names alone. Sam Allardyce was having a whale of a time during <laughs> this time. I mean, some of the people you would have trained and played alongside in those professional games that you played with them are insane. I a World Cup winner and Yuri Jokaev for a kickoff. Yeah. yeah. Ibrahim Barr, Ivan Campo, Stig Tofting. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. What what was that like? Because so you've gone from, you know, hanging out with uh, Vajte aside, you 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 spent years hanging around probably with Northwest lads who know the region, they just want to become footballers. And then you suddenly you go past the velvet rope and you are with JJ Okocha and, <laughs> and people of that ilk. Mario Jardel, I'm just listing them now. Um, yeah, it's good this, isn't it? Yeah, it's it bringing good. back memories. What, what, what is that like for you? Because that instantly says to me, who was never a professional footballer, I would find that intimidating. What was that like for you? Looking back, it, it's amazing listing all these players yeah looking back but at the time it was just I wanted to play first team I wasn't really starstruck by any of them I wasn't really I didn't really follow football that much do you know what I mean I played it of course but I didn't really I, I understand now how good they were and what they'd done in their careers but at the time I just they were just Bolton, in Bolton's first team obviously Yori Jorkev had won a World Cup Stelios had won the Euros and obviously Campo and Hierro, but it wasn't really starstruck. I just enjoyed training with them and played a few games with them. And when they played in the reserves, I played with them there as well. But yeah, not, like I say, the only time I was starstruck was when King Kaladzi came on trial. Bet you wish you took some pointers from Yussi Yaskalainen uh, for. <laughs> <laughs> He's a- 
do you know what? How bad's this? This is how much I followed football. I thought he was from um, Iceland, and I, and I said to me, I said to me, um, my partner, because she's Finnish, and I was saying a few few of the players he used to play with, and I said, you'll see Askelainen, and she said, oh, he's he, he's definitely Finnish. I was like, no, he's from Iceland. No, no. And we had an, we honestly had like a ten minute argument, and then we looked him up, and yeah, he's Finnish. So that's how little I knew about him. Yeah, if 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 you know a Finnish person is saying, "Trust me, Jaskalainen, he's one yeah. of us," you know, yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> you probably just go, "Oh, really? Okay, fair enough." Yeah. Were you a, were you a, a boot cleaner? Was that still the era for you? And who was it? Yeah, I, I was for I think only maybe six months because I signed I signed pro, but when I first started, I had Campos boots. Oh. Yeah, I had Campos boots. So I had, to, I had to, yeah, I wasn't very good at it. My, my heart wasn't really into cleaning boots, to be honest. So I used to get away with a, I used yeah, to get man. away with a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I used to get away with a bit. He was, he was good. He's a good guy. Very nice. He was good to me. Yeah, he's, he was. He looked after me. He was good. Good tipper then. Yeah, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I think I think he had to clean his clean his own boots half the time but yeah he was still he was good he was sound what a gentleman so yeah what what is it like when you start sort of training with these sort of guys because I imagine once you go in it doesn't matter if you're 18 19 32 you're expected to perform a role in training which prepares the squad and gives you the opportunity to compete with the squad to try and get into these lineups what is that like what is that intensity like do they look after you or do they see you as competition no they looked they looked after looked after me definitely yeah they looked after me they probably didn't see me as competition they probably just thought who's this big kid coming to train with us (laughs) but uh, no they did they looked after me it was good I remember the, the first time we had a reserves game and I don't think any of the senior players were available there must have been a can't remember the first team were away or something. Mm. So he pretty much played the our under 17s, under 18 side in the reserves. And the first team coach, Neil McDonald, was taking the reserves. And I had a storm. I think we played middles were away. And I'd had a stormer at centre half. And uh, and then I think it was two days later when the first team were back in, I just got told, Charlie, you're training with the first team now. It was like, oh, well, what's going on? Yeah, so I went and, yeah, it was quite a shock. Went and trained with them and then stayed with them and played, yeah, started playing in the first team. And like you say, prepping for for the big games for the first team, that was brilliant. The way Allardyce worked, how he'd set up against certain clubs, how he'd set up against certain players, his game plan. It became really intense. It was really interesting, yeah. Sam Allardyce is at the probably the peak of his powers at this stage. I appreciate a few years later he manages England, but what he did for Bolton Wanderers during those eight, nine years that he was with them was really quite impressive. I mean, this is the time where I'm growing up watching football religiously, whatever's on. And Allardyce wasn't what a lot of people see Allardyce now. Allardyce was a credible manager who was helping bring 
the Premier League into the 21st century. And part of the reason why, you know, we have this that wave of overseas players um, was not, you know, led by Sam Allardyce, but he was certainly a big advocate. Look at the names that we've read out. And I still can't believe out of all the names I've read out, King Cladsey couldn't get himself a six-month deal. It's 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 remarkable. What what was Sam Allardyce like to you as a young footballer trying to make it in this industry? He was very supportive, very good good with me. I think he liked me, so he supported me basically. Um he was very stern. You've seen what he's like. He's very stern man. He's strong-willed. He's imposing. Um, but aside from all that, he was, he was very clever the way he did it. He was one of the first of his kind mm. because I think he'd gone and played in America. So when he was playing in America, they trained with um, NFL, an NFL facility. So that so at this facility they had all this sports science, they had masseurs, they had uh, sports psychologists, they had you know loads of backroom staff, and he brought that all into his coaching at Bolton. So he was one of the first of his of, of his kind really in England to do that. The amount of backroom staff he had around him was incredible. The uh, all the sports science stuff, the pro zone stuff. Um, all the detail, fine detail that went into it. He wasn't just a kick it long manager. He um, surrounded himself with lots of really good professional staff and uh, was very detailed. Must have been a bit of a shock rocking up at Swindon a bit later on. <laughs> well, I've, I've gone from that to Andy King just having a, <laughs> having a dart in the dugout. <laughs> oh, it's a I bit different. It. I missed the cloud of smoke, but we'll get to that in just a minute because you yeah, did. Yeah. And it's a real credit to you really that we we get to talk about first team football at Bolton because again, I list out all those players and yeah, sure. It's a rotation. You play cup games, but you've still got to earn the right to be in that, you know, football managers just don't, don't just say pick him, him, him and him and we'll see how it goes. They, they pick players based on their performances behind the scenes and you managed to get three appearances in the 2003-04 season um, in the cup, one in the league cup against Walsall and two in the FA cup. I got four. Thank you, Rich. <laughs> no, it was two in the Carling cup and two in the FA cup. But uh, like, like you say, that all-star squad, it was just realistically, I'm not going to get a regular spot in that. It's just nearly all of them were internationals. I'd say 80% of them were internationals. Um, so realistically, I was never, I wasn't good enough to get in that squad. But yeah, I was, I was rewarded uh, in the Carling Cup coming on twice. I, I can't remember what rounds they were, but it was the year we got to the Carling Cup final. So that was amazing. And then, yeah, I started two FA Cup games for them as well. So yeah, that was Special, yeah, good memories. Yeah, Walsall, you come on, the game's gone, in the sense of the game's gone, the game's won, you think you've won 3-1 and you get 10 minutes at the end, which is really, really good. Can you remember yeah. who you came on for? Is it Bruno Angotti? There it is, well done. Is yeah, it? Nicely oh. done. So, yeah, you come yes. on for Bruno Angotti and then you play in the, uh, oh, wow, the uh, failed FA Cup run, I guess, because you get knocked out to Tramia in a replay, but it doesn't. Yeah. 
how much does that really make any I mean for you I guess you're like well if you get through to the next round I might get into the squads for the next one I suppose but I mean to just get those minutes and then Bolton was quite funny really because they had these sort of not aging but players certainly that have they they've run their race and they're still able to play the top level but they're not Juve sort of or Inter level anymore so you've got those international players but the English guys are pretty much they've been there done that um of of English football I mean Kevin Poole for goodness sake was in goal when Swindon (laughs) beat them at Leicester at Wembley in 1993 but you've got you, you know Players like um, Kevin Nolan, who's coming through at that stage, to Anthony Barnes. So um, it was a real mix of players. But, you know, you play alongside Henrik Pedersen, Stelios. Um, I won't try and say the surname, even though I can say I know I'll fall over. Giancopolis? I, would, I tried. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, well, we'll go with that. Something. And then some, yeah. um, I mean, is it, are those sort of memories a blur? Because this is a long time ago, so I don't expect you to know beat for beat sort of memories of this. But do you remember those moments? Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, yeah. I do I remember the good moments, yeah, definitely. Um, but like you say about the FA Cup, that was the worst thing about getting knocked out because it limited me opportunities. Yeah. And yeah, that was, the, that was the worst part about... Um, Losing in the replay. Yeah, it went to extra time and we lost. But yeah, the, the English players, they were very professional. They were good, really solid players. Like like you say, Nolan and Kevin Davis up front. The, the team pretty much revolved around him, really. Yeah. The, the following season, you get sent out on loan and it's back in the glory days of loan spells where you can just get flung to some far out, you know, some outpost in England for a month. Um, and you're expected to just fill in a gap and and make an impact and maybe it gets extended, maybe it, it, it creates another loan spell. But I think you had a month at Wickham. What was that like for you? That was, it was quite tough really, because I was, I think I was, I think I was 18, maybe just turned 18, 19. I don't know how old I was, I was young. Mm. But I think I got told on the Thursday after training, you go into Wickham. On loan, you need to go tomorrow. It was like, oh, what? I didn't even know where Wickham was. What's this? And they said, oh, Tony Adams is the manager. So I was like, oh, amazing. Because obviously I knew who he was. Yeah. Legend England captain, Arsenal captain. Was, yeah, really, really happy that he wanted to sign me. But yeah, it was all really rushed. It was just, you're right, you're going to Wickham tomorrow. And I remember driving down to some hotel in Wickham and... The traffic, I remember, it took me like six, seven hours or something to get there. And I had no dinner and I just the worst preparation you could imagine. I didn't know what was going on. I've rocked up at this hotel and, it, yeah, we, we had a team meeting in that same, oh, yeah, we had a team meeting in that same hotel the next morning on the Saturday morning before the game. And I didn't know any of the players. I, I didn't recognise anyone. I only knew, recognised Tony Adams. And he's gone through the team sheet. He's gone, Charlie, new lad, he's, you're starting left back. Like, oh, I've been playing centre half for you, you know, it's bread and butter centre half. And he's just gone, yeah, you'll be starting left back. I was like, oh, wicked. And I had no dinner, nothing. He's like, right, well, the coach is leaving. But I don't know. 
one o'clock to go to the ground. It was quite close to the ground. So coach is leaving at one o'clock to go to the ground. So meet back down here at uh, quarter to one. So I've just come back to my room. had a bit of a sleep. I think I bought a sandwich or something. I wasn't feeling great. And I've gone back down anyway, quarter to one. I saw the coach and I saw the lads getting on the coach. So I've jumped on the coach, went, put my bag on, gone to sit on the back of the coach and uh, let on to a few of the lads. And I started looking around going, where's Tony Adams? And I've, I've, I've had a look, I've had a glance to my left and I've looked at their tracksuits and they're all in their Swansea tracksuits. <laughs> Oh no! So I've got on. I've got on. We were playing Swansea. I've got on their coach. I'd sat down with all the lads. I'd let on to yeah. I said, I've gone. Oh, I think I swore and stood up and gone. Oh my god! And then I heard all them laughing at the back of the coach, giving me a bit of grief getting off. And I had to get my bag off and go back in the hotel. And all the Wickham lads were sat in there. <laughs> well, it I so. I hope Andy Gurney. Star. I hope when you uh, rise up at Swindon, Andy Gurney said, "Are you? I know you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you play for Swansea yeah, at any point? No, I, I was oh on the coach. <laughs> yeah, well, I, him and yeah, him and Martinez. I think were sent to mid. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. Crucially for your spell at Wickham, you may not remember this, but Frank Talia was your goalkeeper who played yeah. many, many times for Swindon Town. But crazily, Matt Bloomfield was one of your teammates and he's only just finished playing for Wickham in the last couple of weeks, which is nuts, isn't it? We're talking about... How two- good is that? We're talking about How 2004 here and he's yeah. just finished up. Um, it's mad, yeah. It's a fair play to him. And I remember him a really nice fella, yeah. I thought he was about 30-odd at the time. Yeah, well, I think he, he was I just... I think he just looks old, yeah. <laughs> well, he's just, I thought, he's just finished. He's, uh, he's my yeah, age, it's, it's mad, yeah. Fair play to him, yeah. Good on him. Absolutely. But Nathan Abbey was fast compiling a goalkeeper's nightmares video of his own, this time gifting a second equaliser to Swindon's Charlie Cumming Platt just three minutes from time. Okay, so you finish your loan spell at, at Wickham, and that's you know there's 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 no more appearances for Bolton at that stage. Was it was it now? Were you simply in a in a situation where there's not nothing you can do? Um, you're not breaking in because I know you joined Swindon as a recommendation. So were you out of contract, or or did just yeah. other guys help help you out by getting you a, a move to, to town? I was out of contract and um, it came a bit of a shock when 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 he told me that he wasn't going to renew my contract because they, they did he liked me and we got on well and he'd not really said, oh, you need to work on this, you need to work on that. And I was, yeah, playing with the, training with the first team all the time. And, and um, yeah, he said, we're not going to be renewing your contract. So I was like, oh, wow. And that's all I'd ever known from 12 years old. Yeah, was was Bolton. That's all I knew, and didn't really even know where. I'd, I'd had a few phone calls, but I didn't even know really where Swindon was, or didn't. I was still quite young, really. But yeah, Allardyce had recommended to Andy King, me and me and Ricky, Ricky Shakes. Yeah. In in two thousand and five, it's a lot different. So, do you look at it now? Because nowadays, what Premier League clubs like to do is they like to keep because they have development under 23s you're still 
just about 19. So you don't turn 20 until you're a Swindon player. And that means in modern terms, you've still got three or four years left, potentially playing development football and going out on loan in the Netherlands or in League One or in League Two for three or four seasons on, on the Premier League wage. Do you look back and go, oh, I wish I wish that was the case now, because then you still yes. you still get that Bolton um, contract, but you get your experience instead of it being these one months where you're expected to go down, play a month out of position and then impress your manager or whatever. But now you can go away for a whole season or six months, depending on how well you do really get a feel for football in the lower leagues and what needs to be done to make sure that you maintain an elite career instead of the rush mentality. It just seems very scattergun back when you were trying to make your way through. Is, is that a fair observation or, or is it not as simple as that? I completely agree with you. Yeah. I wish I had my time again now. Definitely. I think back then, if you, if you're not, ready for first-team football at 17, 18, it was, uh, we'll, we'll move you on. Whereas now, people are making the debut at 23, 20, yeah. at, at big clubs like City, United, 23 now when they make the debut and it's like, oh, this young lad's making his debut. The 23. And yeah, so yeah, I agree with you. I think it's right how they do it now. It, it, you're still learning, you're still developing right up until the age. You're not a, complete player until the early 20s definitely yeah well I mean in terms there are huge crossroads every footballer has crossroads and they either go well they don't it's as simple as that and for you you get a club in Swindon you know league one that's fine brilliant but it's we're not at the best time when are we ever when it turns to finances Andy King has just lost key players and he's on a rebuild. How did Andy King sell Swindon Town to you, if he did at all? Uh, I went to meet him with my agent. It was at a golf. What's what's the famous golf course? Uh, is it the Belfry? Went to meet him there one day. <laughs> it was so old school. I was taken because I knew nothing about it. Like I said, I didn't really follow football, so I didn't really know anything about him or the club. And he was just very. Uh, there he's going, here's, here's, here's the offer, here's the contract, what do you want to do? Do you want to take it or leave it? And me, me, like, well, I've played in Bolton's, Bolton's first team. Well, yeah, I'm a good player. But, and he's like, yeah, you only made those appearances just just because you were nothing games. He only put you on just because you were nothing games. I was like, <laughs> oh, cheers. Who's this guy? Who is this guy? But no, in the end, yeah, I, was, I think because Ricky was signing as well, it made it a lot easier if both of us were going down there and relocating. In my 21, 22-year-old brain, I would have just assumed you and Ricky Shakes were best, best mates. Um, was were you were you good pals? I know he's the age above, but were you were you just kind of oh I know I know Ricky sounds or and vice versa, or were you like were you pals? We obviously knew each other from Bolton, uh, from playing at Bolton, but. We became mates, obviously, when we come to Swindon. Yeah, we became close then. But yeah, at, at Bolton, we, we played together, but we weren't particularly close. Ricky Shakes, of course, the first social media star of um, Swindon Town Football Club, uploading his his dancing on YouTube at the yeah. time. Caused that was quite... me filming him. That oh. was me with the camera. <laughs> 
So that, that, that was down to me. He needs to thank me for that. Yeah, you got the angles all right. Well done on that front. <laughs> I, I remember you signing on a day where like, we announced quite a few. I think it was you, Ricky, Jack Smith, um, Tony Thorpe, and, right. and I think maybe even um, Jamie Kilton. So it was like, you know, you know what football fans are like. We're spending the whole summer saying, sign some players, etc. And then they did five in a day. And it was a good day, really. I mean, Kilton and Thorpe were... Been there, done that. You know, we really expected the world, especially from from Curtin and Jack Smith had you know good pedigree with Watford and you guys who were breaking into the Bolton side. But, but what? I mean, this is a season where thirty six players play in the league for Swindon. You know, it's 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 a it's a messy time. Did it feel like that when when you arrived? Because of course, this is a season when there's a change of manager. But was everything pretty calm in in the summer, or did you know when you start rocking up for pre season? Do you have any memories of going, "What have I done here"? Was uh, <laughs> question. No, the pre-season was, I didn't really notice all the goings on. I didn't really know the situation of the club. I didn't know what past players had been and gone. And I didn't really know the new, who the new signings were, to be honest. Mm. Uh, I just wanted to play. And then I um, played a few pre-season games and I wasn't starting them. And I couldn't, I couldn't work out why, you know, because I've obviously come from Bolton. I've played in their first team. Why am I not starting for this why am I not starting in these pre-season games? And then I slowly realised that I wasn't going to be starting for the start of the season. And then, yeah, he didn't really play me too much, Andy King. That must be tough. You've already said it's like, look, I've been on the periphery of a Premier League side and now I'm in League One and I'm not getting a look in early on. It's very easy then to, you know, sulk, kick up a stink, be a bit like big-headed and say like, hey, you know, what on earth's going on? This is not what we talked about. Were you just head down that I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing? Or was there moments where you're like, what am I doing wrong? Or, I mean, Andy King, Andy King is the sort of manager I've spoke to many, many people who were managed by Andy King at Swindon. And there are two sides, the people Andy King liked and they liked him and the people that Andy King didn't get on with, essentially. I'm not going to say he didn't like them, but he gave them a rough old time. And there is, no in between, you know. You either were in, you were either in the card school, or you were not in the card school. You know, it was simple as that. Were were you one of the very few in betweens, or were you just a squad player who had to earn the right? Yeah, I don't think at first he thought much of me. I don't know. Yeah, he, that's his opinion. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, uh, but no, he didn't think too much of me at first but it was funny because he, I think he, he played me once against Wickham in the cup and I, I played I did played quite well it was the game Reeves Alan Reeves broke his leg it was horrible um, it was that game but yeah he didn't play me again after that but after he left the club and he went to Grays and he signed me from there on loan and he was my best mate then it was mad he loved me then it's, yeah, it's really. I was really hesitant to go and play for him because I thought he don't like me. He never played me. What's the point? And he was he was the opposite when I went there. Yeah, isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? I think it's. I think it's largely not. I, I want to say, you know, I'm trying to find a better word than deliberate 
sort of psychological sort of motivation and try and sort of that that treat them mean keep them keen sort of element that he will see he will identify a player and go this guy doesn't want me to blow smoke up his backside I need to be tougher with him but the repercussions of that can go either way it can either motivate you or it could just leave you demoralized it's it's again it's an old school trade of thought because every single person that I've spoke to again about Andy King have all got the nicest things to say about him of course you know he's passed on but they they all could see why retrospectively but at the time it could be quite well it could be quite tough yeah, definitely. He was old school, wasn't he? He was old school. But again, it was at Swindon, what was a big difference as well? They didn't have a reserve, so they might play the odd game here and there, maybe once a month or something. Yeah, they didn't down. have a reserve, so so when you weren't playing, I don't know, it's hard to get into the team if he's not picking you. And it's not like they were winning. They were getting beat every week. Oh. He's, he's still not picking you. and you're, you're training and you you don't know what to do. You can't. You just don't like it, that's it. it. It is odd, isn't it? And it, I loved Andy King as a fan. You know, I've, I've got very yeah. fond memories of seeing that cigar smoke um, <laughs> in the dugouts. I think that literally you will never see again and you shouldn't have really seen at that time either. But, <laughs> but you know, the way he sort of he kind of told it as it was, you know, he, he wasn't, he, he didn't shy away from comments, but... This was the this was the time where he his 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 race was run at Swindon, and what what is it like being in a dressing room where it's just not working? Do you sit there and it's like I, it'll it'll click eventually, or is it is it quite poisonous behind the scenes, or you just kind of just go well, it's one of those things, you know, someone's got to go down, someone's got to struggle, and it's us this season. No, well, it's just because I wanted to play, really. That's all I was concerned about was playing. Yeah. And they, I don't know why they were getting beat, but it wasn't working, whatever he was doing. The team, the same team he kept picking wasn't working. I think they lost, before he left, they lost 10 in a row. And so that's ultimately what got us relegated. They lost 10 in a row and he didn't really change, t- you know what I mean? He didn't, I suppose he stuck, stuck by his guns and carried on doing what he was doing, but it wasn't working. But that changes for you when Iffy is appointed manager. So Iffy Anura comes in and he starts giving you minutes. What was the difference between Andy King and Iffy Anura? Iffy just, he, he spoke to everyone and he, I remember he had a meeting with the whole squad and he said, everybody in this squad's going to be involved at some point. Um, I'm going to give everyone a chance, really. Yeah, and he said that and that was quite, uplifting that was oh maybe I might get a chance now I've, I've spoke to Iffy and he's he's really really sounds and it just it just felt like he was on a hiding to nothing really that year it, it's just it's so weird because we had the components to to stay up you know in the start of the season we had Tom Heaton in goal of course he was coming through but he was a great goalkeeper you've got those experienced centre forwards you've got Andy Gurney coming back you've got Steph Miglaranzi you know you've got so many sort of You've got players who who are more than capable of keeping Swindon up, but it just it was just so I, I don't know how to explain it really because so many players came through. It was like two different squads, you know, Andy King's Swindon and then Iffy, who was trying to just bring in who he could to try and stop the rot. It was it was a really tough season to experience as a fan. It, it must 
careers are on the line for you guys and it must be so frustrating like you said especially when you're not getting minutes either but through November December and January you're you're pretty much in the squad week in week out aren't you yeah that's right it was on the I think I was on the bench for a game again Scunthorpe and I think Jarrell Eiffel might have got in he had to come off yeah and I came on then he put me on up front in the FA Cup game and managed to score a goal. And then he started, started me in um, centre midfield. So, yeah, that's that became my bread and butter then, playing centre midfield for him with Paul Smith. Paul Smith was very good. Yeah, Paul Smith we were after for years in my mind. And then we finally got him and he sort of didn't work out because he was at the tail end of his career um, but I always remember Andy King being keen on Paul Smith previously, and then he did eventually turn up at Swindon. You, you mentioned there you got you got your first career goal in, late on against Boston. It proved not to be because <laughs> the replay, and I remember being absolutely elated. Um, but the away game did no go to plan, um, which which was a shame. In between that, though, you even got a few minutes in that great. Sky Sports game against Bristol City where we where we beat them 2-1 so that that was a that was a good day. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Well, who who were the people you kicked about with the most at Swindon? Who were who was who was your part? Who was your gang of uh players that you 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 spent most of your time with? Well, obviously Ricky, I lived with Ricky, so we were together a lot. And we lived next door, well, about four or five doors down from Andy Nicholas. So, yeah, I became good friends with him and uh, I still speak to him today. Yeah, so, yeah, I've knocked around with him quite a bit, yeah. Andy King used to live opposite me and Ricky, actually, I've just remembered. <laughs> so, we used, I used to have to sneak out any time I was going out in the evening. I used to have to sneak out because I'd have to wait for see if he was looking out the window. He lived... Right opposite us. <laughs> <laughs> well, what were the establishments in Swindon where you used to frequent? Old Town, isn't it? That was the place to go. Old Town. I can't remember the name of the places now. The Spot. Was that the Spot? Uh, Is that right? Say, you can say pretty much anything. I'm not from Swindon, so you can say anything. Oh, I'll go, right. yeah, I that, think, that. yeah, Old, Old Town was... Old was Town, definitely, the... yeah. I know Old Town, yeah. but the establishments, not so much. You no, know, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Swindon go down. It's a tough one. You play in the relegation game against Bristol City, actually, and that was a, we, we played really well that day. I remember it well. Um, we took the lead through Aaron Brown, but they equalised. I think David Cotterill. Um, but that, that condemns us. And I think, weirdly, had we won that game, we, we, I think we were still in it on the last day. It was, it was a great shame. But... What's that general experience like? What I mean, what's that season like to you? What when you look back at your career because it is the season that you played the majority of your pro football in in England. Do you look back at that with, with, with regret or with pride? I mean, you can still look back at the fact that you played those games and be proud that you know you 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 played pro pro football. What do you what do you do? Because some some of you guys you don't think about it at all. You just you move forward. You look forward. You don't look back. But what, what's the case for you? I love my time at Swindon. I really did. Obviously, it's so much better when you're playing. But yeah. I really did. I, I really enjoyed, and I put every put all my efforts into it. And I, 
I thought the fans were, were incredible because that's the first time really that you, you get to understand the fans and know what it means to them. That was the first time I realised how good the Swindon fans were and, and if you put your 100% effort in and you put tackles in and you you played with a bit of passion, they, they really appreciated that. So that, that was that was always very special. Like playing, yeah. Playing, yeah, definitely. The, the summer of 2006, Iffy isn't kept on. Dennis Wise comes in with Gus Poyet. And, you know, you, 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 you go to Ibiza, you, you do the, uh, you do pre-season and you're around the squad in the early stages of the season. So, so what happened here? Uh, yeah, he came in. So again, it's like starting again. He brought his own group of players in. Um, uh, yeah, I played a few games. I was playing a few, started a few games. And again, he's played me left back a few times and, and sent her off a couple of times. But um, I injured my shoulder. I remember doing my shoulder. So I was out for, can't remember how long, for a few few weeks anyway. And um, I remember he, he pulled me and said, oh, you're going to be playing. We want you playing again um, now Now that you're getting fit. We want you back in there. I think maybe left back again, I'm not sure. And that's when it announced that he was going. It was like, oh, no. Just, yeah, so it was a shame. Yeah, he quite liked me, yeah. Yeah. It, it, I guess it's one of those things as well. So was it a case that Storick comes in and he doesn't fancy you? Or, what, what? I mean, essentially, what is the exit of Swindon? What does it come down to? Uh, so I, yeah, again, Storick didn't brought his own guys in and he liked certain players and he didn't like uh, I don't know he just didn't don't even think he knew who I was I don't think he knew anything I remember his first day and he read out a list I think we played a game on his very first day a training game and I wasn't even in the you know the 11 v 11 I wasn't even in the wasn't even on the he missed me out and I was like where am I playing he's like oh what's your name he's like at me um, he's like, oh well, you you go up front. I was like, what is going on here? Who's this clown? So yeah, it wasn't a good start with it. And his and his staff, it it gone from Dennis Wise and Gus Poyet to to Sunday League almost. It was like, what what's going on with these guys? Yeah, that, that's going to be tough because Storick does pretty. As far as fans are concerned, Storick, Storick does a good job, doesn't he? And you know. It, it, I guess that comes down to man management again. You know, when you come in, you, you treat everyone the same and you, you go in and you, you make sure that you know <laughs> who your squad is. Or if you yeah. don't, to make sure your assistant goes, well, you know, that's Ricky, that's yeah. Charlie, that's, you know, Michael, that's yeah. Royce, that's Andy, you know. It's, and then, then there was a, quite an exodus at that stage because I remember like Andy Monkhouse, he played pretty much every game under Dennis Wise and then, he was done. Foda on a bougie. He was. He played quite a lot early on, and he was done. So you 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 weren't alone in that, were you? Oh yeah, he just wanted his wanted it his way, and that's fair enough, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just such a contrast when they came in. It was. It really was. It was like very Sunday league about it. He did. He did well. He got them up. Um, he did well. He had a good squad, but just. Real strange fella and a real, 
the staff he had with him were odd blokes, really. Yeah, but they did it well. So they did, they did well, and and that's the cruel nature of really being a pro footballer because the fans, we see the results, we see the successes, but we don't see what is necessarily happening behind the scenes. So. Your, your time at Swindon ends abruptly and you, you, you go to Rochdale, which, you know, logically sounds brilliant, right? Because it's local to you. It's League Club, you know, it's, it's League Two. So brilliant. Talk to me about Rochdale. Yeah, well, it was just, again, I was sick of Swindon and sick of these guys. Um, not of the club, just sick of the sure. new manager and his staff. Yeah. An offer had come in I think one of them had pulled, pulled me in and said, oh, Rochdale, want to sign you. But it was right at the end of the transfer window. He said, uh, Rochdale, want to sign you. We, we recommend you go. You should go. You're not going to play here. And it was just, I was just angry and like, didn't even think it through. I was like, yeah, yeah. So I drove up to Rochdale, met, met with them and just signed. Yeah, it was just, I'd, I'd just had enough of those guys and, Thought, yeah, I'll go to Rochdale and play, play up there. Got there, I remember the first Saturday, the first fixture, I wasn't even in the squad. I was like, what's going on? Not even put me in the squad, he just signed me. I can't remember. We travelled away to a game and they were, they were like lower half of the table when I was, I'd been playing well in League One six months before. Thinking, why am I not, what's going on? Why am I not in the squad? That was it. I don't know. He didn't. Uh, the, who was it? Keith Hill and Dave Flipcroft. They went on to manage Swindon, didn't they? Um, David did, not Keith. And he oh, was it just not a popular figure in ah, Swindon. Yeah. A pair of clowns. But well, yeah, the. Yeah, so that never happened. <laughs> Swindon fans would, could take a take a whole hour of you saying stuff like that, I think. Um, but yeah, it was a clown. <laughs> what's you know really interesting you know, we're talking and we're looking and you know we've got the cameras on and listeners will hear you, you, your voice change you know from the Bolton and then but isn't that incredible isn't it like you know you're looking back yeah it's like it's all going well and then all it takes it's this crossroads moment again is a personality to come in it's no different to any job anywhere you can be really happy and all it takes is a character to come in and you're like oh man yeah you can work really hard you can be doing really well you can be in great form and that's massive you're in great form you're feeling you're playing every week you're doing well every week and suddenly the manager goes, a new manager comes in. I don't even know your name. It's like, oh, what's going on? And then you think, oh, a club signed you. Oh, yes, great. But they're not playing yet. Well, why have you signed me then? What's the point? Why have you signed me and not put me in the squad the next week? What, what have I done? What's going on? What's the point in signing me? You're wasting my time. Yeah. And, that, and so, yeah, it can. You're right. It's everyday life. It's it's personalities, it's opinions, Very football's very opinion. One minute it's great, next minute it's not. And you've, even though you've not changed one bit and you're still the same player, it's it can just get flipped on its head, yeah. Yeah, and Keith Hill and David Flipcroft can't even say like, well, Charlie had a bad attitude or, you know, you've just signed me. You know, <laughs> we've just had talks, we're yeah. signing, and now I'm, you know, what... But one bad touch in training? <laughs> what happened? Good question. I don't know. It was just, it was just, I think we just clashed. And in the end, I was just, 
got to a point where it was just uh, I was sick of it, literally sick of it, and sick of them. And they just they didn't even have an argument. They could, you know what I mean? They could. I'd prefer it if, they, if coaches come up to you and say you're not in the team because you need to work on this or. I didn't think you did well at this in this game or you should be doing this or in training, why don't you do this? And that's fair enough because then you can say, well, you've not done what I've asked. But when they just don't like you for whatever reason, then it can't be helped really. Yeah, that's like, yeah. So Swindon's hopes of maybe getting another might be quite high. This is Miglia Ramsey in towards Fallon here. It's Fallon, it's 2-1. Swindon on fire. That's a great finish. Great finish from Fallon. Pulling it onto his right foot and getting it away. But it's made by that man, Miglia Ramsey. So this is this is probably at a moment that you're probably questioning whether you want to do this, whether you want to go from club to club, you know, hoping that it sticks, dreading having to go through the experience again, because at this moment in time, you're two managers into like, okay, ugh, so this is where you, you come into non-league football, but you come back down to the West Country with, with Western Supermare, don't you? So, I mean, what brought you back down? Because loads of options in the Northwest and the North of England, but Super, Western Supermare. After Rochdale, I just thought, ah, I'm going to pack, pack playing football in because they, they paid me up with my contract. So I was still getting paid for like six months or something mm-hmm. after I'd left. So I was just thinking, oh, I might just give football a breather for a bit. I'm not that fussed, um, getting messed about. And I, I still had my house in Swindon. And uh, my parents had moved down when it's time to Swindon. So I'd gone back down there and I wasn't going to play. And then I was speaking to Western Supermare. They... Um, got in contact with me I went to meet them and I wasn't really fussed about playing and they offered me I can't remember sitting down with them and they offered me some money and I was just like nah you're alright I'm not interested I'm not that bothered about playing to be honest I'm still mm-hmm. getting paid off Rochdale it's not worth my time so I just left and then they, I think they phoned me again and offered me more money and they were they were good to be fair they were saying look if you don't give it a month if you don't like it, we'll shake hands. Fair enough, but just give us a month. So I was like, all right, yeah, I'll come down. My heart wasn't really in it, but um, the manager there, Tony Ricketts and the assistant, Chris Smith, they were they, are, they were fantastic. Really good. Really good with me. And I started to enjoy it again a little bit. Yeah, I started to enjoy playing again. Um, but yeah, they, they, they were treating me really well. Yeah, That's very good. good. That's good, because... Next is the exciting part, really, as far as I'm concerned, is Australia. So you go and you have two spells, really. What was that visa? You know, for the for the in between. Yeah. So it happens yeah. all the time in 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 when when guys go over and play in um, in the Australian regionals. Is they go and have their visa limit and they come back and then they sort themselves out again. Joondalup, talk to me about it. So yeah, a friend had played that I'd played with in the academy at Bolton. Jamie he'd played over in for Joondalup in Perth, Australia. He played there for maybe half a, se- a season, I think, maybe half a season. So we had connections over there. 
and I was speaking to him and I was like, oh, mate, I fancy getting away. I'm sick of it now in England. And he said, well, I can put you in touch with this team in Perth. I'm sure it's back in the days of emails. So I was getting emails <coughs> off the club and they offered me a contract there and offered me coaching there as well. And the, the manager there said, oh, I can pick you up and you can stay with me and my wife until you find somewhere to live and we'll sort you out a car. And I thought, oh, do you know what? I'll, I'll just do it. If, if I don't like it, it only takes one day to come home. So I just thought, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. And I went and it was just, yeah, it was brilliant. It's fantastic. It was like um, the facilities there were incredible. The pitches, living by the beach. There was a lot of money going into kids' football, so the coaching was good. But obviously, the weather was brilliant, the lifestyle. It was like being on holiday every day and, and playing football, of course. Football just got in the way. But it was, I'm in football. It's always football. And as fans, you have a great away day. <laughs> And then the game starts and it and it's ruined. <laughs> I mean, you, you you do you do a nice little spell there. I mean, that's your club, really, isn't it? I mean, in, in terms of your career. And so I remember being the Swindon fan that I am. I always like to keep an eye on ex pros, and it really did seem like you know views in Google searches and on their website. It really did seem that you were happy and thriving um, at June Delup. That is that the internet lying to me or? No, definitely. It was. It became a family. The, the, the people there were just incredible to me. Um, really looked after me well, uh, supported me so much, uh, did everything they could for me. And, yeah, I was playing for them. And, the lad, obviously, the lads have made some best friends over there. And still, still to this day, my best mate, some best mates over there. Incredible there, really good. It was just hard with the visas, like you said really hard because you're not an electrician you're not a plumber you're not a you're not got a proper trade it was hard to get a visa would you would you have stayed there if if it would have been any different yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah I did my first year on a working holiday visa and then the second year to get another year you had to work on a farm for three months picking strawberries or grapes or something big spiders yeah, yeah, I'm not about that. So I got a I got a farm's address and just blagged it, blagged this visa, and I managed I managed to get another year. They obviously didn't check up on it, a bit bit of fraudulent behaviour, but it got me another year. We'll cut that out. So that was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can't throw me out of Finland. No. Um and then yeah, then I had to get another visa. I tried I went on a student visa. So I studied carpentry for a bit. I had to go to college one day a week or something just to get this other visa and then another. Oh, it's just, I was blagging all sorts. But in the end, my luck ran out. <laughs> you got, yeah. got, you got, yeah, got. I had to go home. I had to oh. go home, yeah. Ran out so, of visas. So you're hitting your, sort of in your late 20s, just, just about to hit 30 when you come home, don't you? So, like, you've been playing in Australia and that's, I think yeah, you know, in between visas, you had a little spell at Siren just to keep things oh, at yeah. Siren says to just keep yeah. things ticking over. Yeah. So yeah. you're you're young, you're still football is still your trade, but maybe you know certain levels of English football have now passed you by. So 
I imagine you did a lot of coaching in Australia. So did you come back and the goal is now is to coach or were you thinking that might be it with football? Uh, well, when I came back, yeah, a, a few clubs, a few semi-pro clubs had phoned me up in Manchester, around Manchester. I went to watch a few games and it's that old story. I was, it was a cold Tuesday night in the middle of nowhere and the football was just rush, head kick, rush, screaming, smashing, muddy. I just thought, I've come, I've been in Australia for five years, Goal, got the goalkeeper rolling it out to me, I can ping it around, play across the back and all that, it was lovely. Then you go, go and watch that, it's just absolute hectic, head, head kick football. And I just thought, do you know what, it's not worth it for, what did he pay, 150 quid a week or whatever it is, 200 quid a week. It's not, it's not, it's not in my heart, it wasn't. So I just thought, yeah, I might. Um, so I tried to do, I got on my UEFA B licence through the PFA and managed to pass that, yeah. So I yep, and well, go down the coaching role. And how have you found that? So who have you been coaching and um, and how have you found that transition? Went to Oldham, uh, got Oldham Athletic. I was coaching there under 12s for, I did a C, I did a year or just over a year, I think, there. And that was quite an eye-opener, really, for academy football. I think I, I think they're level two. Or, no, level cap three, I think they are. But, yeah, that was quite an eye-opener, coaching coaching Oldham's under-12s. So there were some good players. We, we sold a player to Man City for oh, like 50 grand or something. It was only 12. Wow. Yeah, it's mad, yeah. That's insane. That, that, that brings us pretty much up to speed so what's the plan now so you know you, you've done some stuff you know with Andy Nicholas um helping out with the Liverpool international coaching that he does and he was on the pod talking about that a year or two ago um uh, it was just before the pandemic so two years ago now unbelievable time does yeah. fly by and now you're in you're in Finland what's the plan plan good question I've got I'm doing all sorts at the minute I've got, I've work-wise, I've bought um, a couple of garage, new garage units in the city that I'm going to be renting out. I've got a shop I rent out, and I'm just uh, converting um, a yoga studio now. So, yeah, I'm going to, it's in a, an old barn, so I'm just converting that. You're living a hipster's dream, living in, yeah, living in Finland yeah. doing, with yoga studios. Well done. Yeah, yeah, well, it's not there yet. But my missus, she she um, she's a qualified yoga teacher, so gonna give that a go. Yeah, she's got a good job here, but not not doing yoga. But it's it's literally on our plot on our plot of land. We've got um, a shop and um, it's an old barn, so the shop is on the lower half, and then yeah. above the shop, that's what's being converted. Oh, it sounds lovely. No, no, no uh, temptation to coach the youth of Finland. Uh, that's a no <laughs> it's not really it's it's the money side of it yeah the, the, the amount of time and effort that goes into it it's pretty much a full time job having a having a coach for, for a little reward and I want to spend time with my little girl it's too much time away from her so she's at daycare in the day I don't want to be going out coaching at night 
to be honest, I want to spend as much time as I can with her. Absolutely. Yeah, I applaud that. Ian, Ian Herring was the same in his explanation of, uh, of, of it. I listened to that. Yeah, I completely agree with it. Yeah, because he's done really well with his managing. He's done very well and I can see how he'd be such a good such a good uh, coach and manager. But like he said, it's it's like a full-time job. It's it's full on for the for the reward you get back and you're missing out on time with your, he's got a little boy yep. missing on time with his family. It's it's a big decision, yeah. It's a huge decision, but football is there in 20 years' time, but it, it's it's absolutely crucial. Oh, I mean, I think we're pretty much here. So I'd like to end on I feel like we didn't even really touch Swindon and I, I I have I just think it was probably you know with good reason given the way it sort of went there but when you when you look back at Swindon who who were the who are the people that stand out who were the characters at Swindon that you look back fondly um remember maybe hijinks or anything like that well Andy King is an icon and he's a Swindon icon uh Alan Reeves he was brilliant. He was so funny. What a good guy. Good player. Good coach. Good man manager. Uh, he was great. Um, the lads, obviously, all the lads were good. Uh, the town itself was good. I've, I've still got friends there. I've still got a lot of friends in Swindon. Um, a friend of mine actually came over to visit from Swindon for my birthday. He surprised me for my birthday. He came over to Finland. So now I've got a lot of fond, fond memories. Definitely and, special place, and I still follow. I still follow the results. Oh dear, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Ah, well, we I do. We, no, we love to hear that, Charlie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Rich. Thanks a lot for this, mate. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.